haters gotta pay me for this. When I shoot, I never miss. Shotgun snap to Allen. Has a pocket. Fires one down the middle to the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. Caught for the touchdown, Isaiah McKenzie. Touchdown, Buffalo. They can tie it up with the extra point. What a time. From the Detroit three. Drops the snap. Picks it up. Takes a look. He's going to run with it. He is into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen ran it in from three yards out. He dropped the snap and he ran it in anyway. Touchdown, Bills. They take the lead. Shotgun snap. Wants to throw. Pocket collapsing in the end zone. Spins away. He's dropped. He's dropped in the end zone for the safety. It was Ed Oliver who got him. The Bills get a safety on the play. Like car facing Charlie. We ain't got no attachment. I kick him off like Chun Lee. Josh wants to throw. Fires left side. Caught. Touchdown. Stephon Diggs. Touchdown, Buffalo. They moved it all the way down the field, and the Bills regained the lead with two minutes, 40 seconds left. It's a hit. It's a hit. Heard my youngest. They just hit him for a lick. For a lick. With 28 seconds left. 51 yards, the snap is down, the kick is on the way, it is up, and it is good. And the game is tied with 23 seconds left in the fourth quarter. We're all tied up at 25 apiece. Snap, steps up in the pocket, guns one straight down the middle, looking for Diggs, makes the catch. He makes the catch at the 40-yard line and he is brought down there. 40-yard line of the Lions, what a big pickup that was. It'll be 45 yards from the right hash. Here we go. Ferguson, the snapper. Martin, the holder. The snap is good. The kick is long enough. It is up. It is good. Still two seconds left on the clock. A 45-yard field goal for Tyler Bass to put the Bills on top. 28-25 with two seconds remaining. Bills win it. Man, that was tough. The Bills win it. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's a hell of a job! That is your Toshiba Game Rewind. Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills. Hello, everybody, on this Buffalo Victory Friday on the heels of the Thanksgiving Day victory over the Lions, 28-25. to Bills improved to 8-3 and on the season. Two straight wins as they get set for a, in, an important stretch of division games coming up. And they will begin in six days in New England on Thursday night football. Uh, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here to break it all down. Uh, Before we get to our thoughts on the game, though, we do want to update you on Von Miller's situation. Von Miller, as you know, left the game yesterday late in the first half, had to be carted from the sidelines after spending a lengthy amount of time in the medical tent. On the sidelines there, the initial diagnosis, a sprained knee, but after an MRI today, it was determined that Miller did not tear his ACL. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, there is concern, though, about his lateral meniscus. Rappaport is saying that Miller is out a week to 10 days and that a decision now must be made as to whether Miller has surgery to take care of that meniscus issue or try to play with it now we don't know if the meniscus is torn sometimes there are meniscus injuries where a piece of the meniscus is hanging off and they just go in and snip it and in a short amount of time you're good to go but there are also situations where meniscus tears are determined by grade of severity there's a grade one 
a grade two and a grade three meniscus tear. Grade one and grade two, sometimes surgery is not required. It's just a simple go in arthroscopically, give it a snip, and you're good to go. But if it is a grade three, surgery is almost mandatory. So we don't know the severity of the injury. It's his lateral meniscus. We don't know if it's torn. We don't know what the nature of the exact injury is. We're just going off of Ian Rappaport's report from NFL Network. So we may learn more when head coach Sean McDermott addresses the media at 4 p.m. today. But with it being so early on in the evaluation process, I would be surprised if there are many more details than what Rappaport is reporting. But I think if there's one thing we can say, Steve, it's probably not going to be any Von Miller against New England next Thursday. Not this Thursday. week for sure. And I, and I would say, too, you're going to – we'll know what the diagnosis is by <clears throat> the information we have and how long he's out. We, we may not get a heads up as to say, hey, he's not going to be – he's going to be out this week and next week he'll be back whenever. Um, it'll be – coach will say, hey, it's week to week. That's all you'll hear. Uh, if he does have surgery, you're going to hear about that, and yeah. that's the only way. But you won't know if it's – well, you might get a chance to know if it's season-ending or not. With Miller's injury, the Bills are now without three of their top four pass rushers. Von Miller, as we said, probably out for the Patriots game, maybe even longer than that. Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa still on the mend with ankle injuries. Both of them missed yesterday's game. So right now – as it stands, the Bills have Boogie Basham and Shaq Lawson on the active roster, and Mike Love, who was a practice squad elevation and played a lot yesterday because of that extra injury, and Kingsley Jonathan, an undrafted rookie who was just re-signed to the practice squad after he was released by Chicago. He was originally here as an undrafted rookie signing, didn't make the roster, was poached off the Bills practice squad by the Bears. They had him on their active roster for a period of time. They released him. The Bills brought him back. And they may need him in the short term, yeah, the, uh, depending on how it goes. Hopefully, Rousseau, who has missed two games now, will be in a position where he's got a chance to return to the lineup next week. But, man, this is... I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. It's one injury after another, and particularly on the defensive side of the ball this year. At the beginning of the season, it was the defensive tackles and the guys on the back end. You know, Poyer, Hyde, Dane Jackson, everybody was taking a turn on the injury list. And all of the defensive tackles, with the exception of Daquan Jones, got hurt. And it was a mash unit on the defense. And, and then Edmonds and Milano right. got hurt, too. Um, Benford breaks his hand. I mean, and then Elam, these most recently missed two games with an ankle injury and was up yesterday. Didn't play a whole lot, but got back in the lineup at least. And now you've got the defensive ends are the latest victims. And oh, by the way, Tremaine Edmonds has now missed two games and is still out of the lineup too. It's right. just like, Deion when Daw is it going to stop? Deion Dawkins was down yesterday. Mitch Morse was out of the game yesterday. The Bills, uh, as coming into the season, the Bills had projected from last year's win-loss record, the Bills had a middle-of-the-road difficult schedule. They've had the second-hardest schedule in the National Football League, wins and losses of their opponents. They've lost three games by a total of eight points, and they've been riddled, ravaged by injury uh, top to bottom. Josh Allen has played with a bum elbow for a minute. 
Vaughn Miller now out. Greg, you know, he went down the list. I mean, you go down the list of guys who have missed time. Uh, Tredavious White got back on the field yesterday, took about 10 or 15 snaps yesterday. Uh, on the, you know, we talked about a pitch count when he came back. That's all happened. Uh, even given all of the injuries that they have had, they've lost three games by a total of eight points. And in, in a couple of those losses, uh, particularly the Miami loss, was nothing but injuries that caused them to lose that game. Um, so uh, it's, yeah, they were, they're a juggernaut on both sides of the ball, but they're just, not right now, they're just a really good team. They're a good football team. They're not, a, they're not the juggernaut they were coming into this season because of all the injuries. They're still good. They're still able to win games because Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, they've got a couple of star players who can make things happen. But right now, the season has been really you know, hamstrung, for lack of a better way to put it. Well, that's a good pun, actually. They have, they're hamstrung by their injuries. Otherwise, this is a team that maybe has one loss, maybe, so, uh, when they're healthy, ain't nobody beating them. But right now, they're nowhere near it. I'm going to take your comments a step further. Because for all the people that have been picking apart this Bills team the last two games, I'm just going to lay this out for you. Steve laid out a good portion of what I was going to say. People are complaining about the play calling. They're complaining about drop passes. They're complaining about poor tackling. And all of those would be valid criticisms under normal circumstances. But I want to remind everybody, over the last 10 days, the Bills have had a team illness that impacted five players and combined with their injured players led to an abbreviated practice. They had six feet of snow that canceled another practice, actually two practices, and relocated a home game to a neutral field. They played two games without their starting middle linebacker, two of their top three defensive ends, and their starting center. Then they lost their starting left tackle and their best pass rusher on Thursday. They've played a total of four home games in their first 11 games due to one relocation. They've beaten three other division leaders in the AFC. Two of those games were on the road. Their strength of the schedule is now at the top of the league because of the much-improved play of the AFC East. And as Steve mentioned, they lost three games by a total of eight points. So despite all that, they won these last two games in a span of five days with an injury-riddled roster, and they're now 8-3. and three. If you can find me a head coach in this league who can manage crisis better than Sean McDermott, let me know who the hell it is. The guy's playing with two-thirds of his starting lineup and what equated to two road games in five days with one, one full practice. One practice in 10 days. They won both games in spite of it. So you want to know why there's some miscommunication in the passing game? You want to know why the tackling isn't airtight? You want to know why people are dropping passes? One practice in 10 days. Tell me how your team's going to look. With one practice in ten days, one full practice. Yeah, it was, it was a yeoman's effort I mean, by everybody. Come on with the complaining right now. It was seriously. It, it was a all hands on deck victory. Um, you got Mike Love taking reps at defensive end, something he rarely does. You've got Dan Kessenberry coming in and playing most of the game at left tackle when Deion Dawkins went out with an with an ankle. Mitch Morse never took the field yesterday. Um, you were light in 
replacements for those for, for anybody. It, you were you had no depth at your offensive line. Uh, I I'm telling you. They missed Tremaine Edmonds in the middle of that defense. Uh, I'll say, and I'll tell you why. There's hey, a Jay couple Klein of Klein th- played a hell of a game yesterday, though. He sure did. Um, one of the things that happens in when Tremaine's on the field, and I've noticed this a couple of times, he's so massive, long. He's so long. He scares quarterbacks off throws they won't down throw the, it over the middle. They, with they him. don't go down the middle because he just it's. He's just too big a, a body for them to, like, try and fit it in there. It's like trying to throw it over his And <clears throat> that handful of plays that he gives you like that where it's not even a play really because you never notice it because the quarterback just doesn't try it. It's huge. Um, Matt Milano yesterday made a couple of plays, but he also missed one play in the final drive for the, for the uh, Lions. He did a couple of things. I think differently than he does. We saw him, you know, he took a bad angle and, and got left behind on the last drive that gave the Lions a chance to tie it up. Um, A.J. Klein in there, and nevertheless, and by the way, A.J. Klein was calling the plays. He wasn't even on the team two weeks ago. Yeah. He was calling the defenses yesterday. Um, and then you lose, you know, Rousseau's not there. Uh, Vaughn leaves with two and a half minutes left in the first half. Um, it's... It's getting bad. It's getting bad. You've got – we take it for granted now. you got Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, and Christian Benford as your corners. Uh, and while they have done some nice things, you know, Trey White's not out there. Taron Johnson is out there. He's playing well. Jordan Poyer is the linchpin of the whole thing. Um yeah, they're it, it is not the same team they thought they were going to be playing with. And I know this this you can I mean, I don't know you can't really complain about it, but I'll tell you what, there's there's a good reason why it doesn't look sometimes on the these game in these last couple of games like the Bills are hitting on all cylinders because all the cylinders are have been traded out uh for a minute. Uh so kudos to the Bills for hanging in there against a Detroit Lion team who in the last month has been a top 5 defense. And their three-game winning streak, and plus yesterday, uh, they're tough to beat. Uh, Jared Goff made some great throws yesterday. They've got a receiver, a receiving core that's really good. Their offensive line played well. Uh, yeah, the the Lions are a pretty good football team. And I'll tell you this: I'll, you know they're going to be a force in that division. Um, they, they play might, hard for them. Yeah, they play hard for the guy. They guys, play a physical for, for style. They may be in the one and six start crushed them. But they're better than that now. They're much better football better team football than their team. start they got to their season. Uh, I'm just going to say, A.J. Klein comes in. As Steve mentioned, he called all the plays on defense. He's been here a week. Granted, he's been in this defense for most of his career. Down in Carolina with Coach McDermott, up here for a couple of years with a stint in New Orleans in between. And now he's back. Guy makes nine tackles yesterday, second only to Jordan Poyer. And there was a play in the fourth quarter that he made, and it was with 157 left. Two-minute warning just happened. It's second and five at the Detroit 47 for the Lions. Okay? Goff throws a pass out in the right flat to DeAndre Swift. They had the entire play going to the left side of the field, and he comes out the backside and throws it out in the right flat to DeAndre Swift, it is DeAndre Swift and A.J. Klein and nobody else. 
Jordan Poyer's 30 yards down the field with a receiver on a deep post route. It's the only other guy on that half of the field. And A.J. Klein somehow, someway, wrestles that guy to the ground. If he doesn't, DeAndre Swift is in the end zone. It was a touchdown-saving tackle. And the only reason I know that is because sitting up in the press box, I could see the entire field, and Jordan Poyer, there is no way he would have been able to get an angle on him. It would have been six points on the board. It was a touchdown and potentially game-saving tackle by A.J. Klein. And despite all that, can we get some love for Ed Oliver? (laughs) Oh, my God. How was that guy not at the turkey table at the end of the game yesterday? You know what? I was looking for That was unbelievable. I thought he'd be there. It was a crime. He might have. What the heck is CBS doing? He might have run off, too, and left him. But that's a a guy that. Oh my Man, what God. a what a beast he was, and they said it on the on the broadcast as well. Ed Oliver on thanks if, if every day was Thanksgiving, every game was Thanksgiving. Ed Oliver's like Reggie White for crying out loud. That guy was crushing it on a day when they did not have the balance of their pass rushers off the edge. Ed Oliver said, "I got you." Now, granted, he's playing against two backup guards in the game because the Lions had backup guards on their O line yesterday. But Ed Oliver has a forced fumble and recovers it himself. That drive leads to a touchdown for the Bills. Sack safety widens the Bills' three-point lead to five to 19-14. Has two tackles for loss to lead the team. Had two quarterback hits. I mean, I don't know what else he could have done in the game besides maybe an interception. I'll say this, too. He was on fire. Fire yesterday, and it, it was a close game on the road after you know a short week, double trip back and forth, no practices. Um, I think you can also lay to rest this narrative or question of can the Bills win a close game? Um, they've won by three over the Ravens. They've won by four over the Chiefs. Uh, they won by. Uh, eight over Cleveland, and I won by three over Detroit. And their losses, of course, are all by three points or less. So, yeah, they've they've got a three and four record this season, or thereabouts, uh, in close games. And it's just, uh, and that listen, twenty three seconds to go, and the Bills have got it. We've we've had that happen to us, and now the Bills do it. Josh drops back and hits a 35-yard strike to Steph Diggs at a point where there's no way the Lions could possibly let that happen to them, and they couldn't stop it. I mean, they were doubling Diggs. They had their safety was well, coming they were in. Playing it was top down. They weren't going to com- let anybody get behind them. It was completely covered. I mean, it was a not even a thousand. It was like a ten thousandth of a second that 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 they got it in there. And the play right down the middle of the field, Steph Diggs comes in, goes down, gets up, calls the timeout because they have all their timeouts left. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to win this game. Just like that. I, um, there, are, there are times where I think that sometimes defensive backs in coverage say, oh, you know what? I'm going to bait Allen into throwing this ball. That's and I'm right. going to pick it off. And then they're like, how did I not get there in time? They don't believe he can get it there before they can break on the yeah. ball. Because <clears throat> if, a lot of people don't know this because they don't play sports. and they're not. You get back and you, 
you play a lot of sports, particularly in the defensive backfield or even baseball or whatever sport you want to play, or even in soccer when they kick the ball, you don't believe that when you're back there playing defense, you don't believe they can do that. They don't believe the ball can get from point A to way down at the other end of the field over here to where I am, point B. They don't think they can kick it or throw it or hit it or whatever faster than you can get there. You feel like you've got it covered. That's what happened yesterday. They didn't believe Josh Allen could get the ball to Steph Diggs 35 yards down the field between the hashes before he could make break on that ball and get there. Because yeah. there's other guys, to, you know, they have other responsibilities too. They're looking, they're watching Gabe Davis. They got out Isaiah McKenzie. They want to cover everything, but they think they've got that covered. And then Josh there were slings three guys it. in the vicinity. And then Josh slings it and it's like, oh, they can't get Guess there. They didn't have it covered. They couldn't get there. Now, as impressive as the final drive was, Diggs play being the big one, because by then you're already in field goal range, because we had Tyler Bass in here last week, and he told us in that building his range is about 64 yards. If it's the last kick of the game, he could probably hit one from 66. Um, so we knew they were already in range, and yes, the extra point might have, the missed extra point that he had might have given you a little bit of concern, but I, I was like, he'll be fine. You know, you get it. You get an inside yeah. fifty. He's good to go, especially indoors with no other things impacting your kicks. That being said, I was more impressed with the fourteen-play, ninety-yard drive that came before it. That was, a big and this one. is what this drive taught me about the Bills' coaching staff. When the game is on the line, they trust four people. Four. Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs, Devin Singletary, and Dawson Knox. Those are the four guys they trust. That's not to say they wouldn't call a number of anybody else on the team, but when the game's on the line, those are the guys they're going to. Yeah. All right, I'll run it down real quick. From their own 10-yard line, 8.59 left. Allen passed to Knox plus two. Allen up the middle on a run plus eight. Allen to Diggs for eight. Allen to Diggs for four. Singletary up the middle for two. Allen to Knox for 15. Here's an here's a exception. Allen to McKenzie for three yards. Then Allen over the left end for nine on a run. Allen to Diggs for 12. Singletary for eight. Singletary for four. Incomplete pass. McKenzie was the target. Incomplete to Diggs. Singletary up the middle for two. Allen to Diggs touchdown. Yeah. And then so, on the final drive, you know. There's no Gabe Davis in that. There was no Knox there's in that no, one either. Now that no I think about it, James Cook in that. There's now, no, you know, yeah. I mean, there's just and Knox. That was the first we'd heard about Knox really in the entire game. But I think what happens is when they, you get into that thing, um, teams start to clamp a little harder on the normal guy like the Steph Diggs and the and those guys. And Knox, you know, who hasn't been targeted, well, they forget about. And here's the other thing: they rotated Knox out and brought Quentin Morris in more in the second half because Deion Dawkins was out of the game and they were giving David Questenberry help on that side with Quentin Morris, who was staying in and blocking an awful right. lot. Right. So there were some dynamics at play there that I think was also impacting Knox's time on the field. But Yeah, that and that's a big consideration. People kind of forget. If you start dropping guys, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, offensive linemen, tight ends are going to be affected by that. You know, you're going to get Reggie Gilliam on the field a little bit more. You're going to get Quentin Morse on the field. And, and Dawson Knox is going to be asked to do different things other than release and get on a pass route. And even Devin Singletary is going to have to chip. 
and do all of that and help out those guys. And that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes when you see, well, why aren't these guys that we just named, why aren't they catching passes? Well, they're busy. Yeah. They're busy. Uh, we'll get to the phones in just a second. One last thing that I wanted to mention about, about Oliver, because I talked to him in the locker room after the game, the play when he had the sack safety, that was dialed up by Leslie Frazier. You know, the play is there. Frazier says, we're calling a play for Oliver. We're going to design, you know, this is a play call they have. It's designed to get Ed one-on-one with the guard, the way the play is designed. So they called his number. You're going to get one-on-one with a backup guard. He totally housed the guy, put him in Jared Goff's lap, and then sacked Goff, got enough of him to bring him down in the end zone for the safety. Remind me, were they under center right there? Or were they in shotgun out of their own inside? Uh, I know that there was a play when maybe Jim they can Nance, run it again. And when we can Jim see, but. Jim Nance, um, Jim Nance was yeah they were shotgun, shotgun out of their own and Jim Nance noticed it. It was like wow I don't know, and he they were right. Ed Oliver just bull rushed right back into the lap of Jared Goff, and you know got back there on the shotgun snap. Uh, huge play and I and I get it. I, I I can't. Jared Goff held in there a little too long. I mean, that guy's coming right in his face, and certainly his guard was between him and Ed Oliver. But, man, there was no momentum break there at all. If you're Jared Goff, you got to get out of there, uh, particularly out of shotgun. you got some space. Yeah. AJ, so, yeah, that was a great play. A.J. Klein called Ed Oliver the Tasmanian Devil, and Daquan Jones called Ed Oliver a freak of nature. And I was talking to Ed about it yesterday, and he goes, look, I came into this season and I wanted to tear the cover off of this year and really show how dominant I can be inside. He goes, then I get the injury in week one. You know, he gets the high ankle sprain and he misses like two or three games. And even when he came back, he wasn't a hundred percent. He goes, if I'm healthy, that's how I can play every week, which is a scary proposition. And it might be something that the bills are going to absolutely need as decimated as they are at the defensive end position right now in terms of generating a pass rush. Right, and that's, you know, that's going to be the key. That's, that's the key for the whole team is health right now. That's, yeah. That is the issue. Uh, when they're healthy, when they've got all their, their people in place, their offensive linemen, their skill players, and also their, their edge rushers, their linebacking core, we'll, we're not going to get Micah Hyde back. But if, you know, if Trey White can start to work back into the game, if he can get like a full half in against the Patriots this week or if he get a higher snap count – uh, they'll start to get out of it. But I think you, for now, you really got to concentrate and bear down if you're the Bills coaching staff and players. It's all hands on deck because the injuries have been an enormous problem to this point of the season. We will take a break here because when we come back, the Hall of Famer will be joining us. Thurman Thomas coming in to talk about yesterday's Thanksgiving Day victory next here on One Bills Live presented by Collide Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back. It's One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker here on this Buffalo football victory Friday. Victory Friday. Let me say, I was going to say Friday first. And uh, joining us now in studio is the Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas. Thurman, how was your Thanksgiving? Good? It was great. 
Good. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, food was great as usual. Patty cooked another great meal. Mm. And my daughters helped with the mac and cheese. So we had a little nice. bit of everything going. And my mic is not on. Oh, your mic's not on. All right. Well, we'll take care of that in the interim. Uh, it's not your fault. You're not responsible for that. Yeah. You, uh, you kind they'll of... figure it out. Don't worry. They'll get you squared away. And Steve's, no, I don't know what Steve's, a, Steve's <clears throat> an engineering genius. It was, I'm sure the he'll wire be the... was too tight there. It had a kink in the hose. Yeah. I think we're okay now. Are we good now? Can they hear no. him? Can you guys hear us? Nobody's in there to do it. Jaybird came in here and talking to us. And... Nope. They're still right. not They'll good. They'll have to figure something out. <laughs> Thanks right. for coming They'll, in, Thurman. Yeah. It's great talking to you. We'll, we'll Love triage, you, man. We'll gonna triage you. that. I'm going to treat you like the like the like the you know friend of the show that you are. And I was all excited to talk to him about Ed mm. Oliver. Like, uh, what are we? Because I thought I thought Ed should have been at that Thanksgiving table at the end of the game yesterday. Like I, I mean, I understand why Josh and Stefan and yeah. Tyler Bass are there, but my <laughs> God, how about some love for Ed? Throw him a turkey leg for God's sake! You sense. know what? After thinking about it, we were talking about it on our little text group or whatever. You know, you know, I was like, you know, Ed is there to make that bank. He's not worried about a, t- a turkey leg right now. Yeah, and he's playing very, very well. But I do, I do believe that he should have been there eating some of that. He had an outstanding game. He's been playing really well all year. You talk about the two guys on our team. Talk about all pro, Ed Oliver and Matt Milano, uh, Milano, could be two all pros. He's yeah. playing very, very well. He destroyed. Detroit's offensive line yesterday. And I know they had a couple of backups, yeah, whatever. But you know what, though? People are going to be looking at that film and go like, okay, we turn it on. We got to block this guy right here. Yeah. And they're going to need him, Thurm, because Steve and I were talking about – Steve and I were talking about how they're, they're down defensive ends. Yeah. You know, Von Miller's definitely missing next week's game and maybe more. And Rousseau's still trying to get healthy. <laughs> A.J. Epines has got an ankle injury. I mean, Deion Dawkins goes out. Yeah. But I'm just talking about defensive end. You're going to yeah. need Ed to be, keep making these kinds of plays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, I hope he does. I, and I think he will. And I think he will. Uh, like you said, though, with all the injuries that we've had throughout the course of the year and losing Vaughn for we don't know how long now, but uh, guys like this are going to have to step. I think this entire defense has to step up now. Yeah. I, I yeah. really do. It It really seems like – it's not going to be the players. It's not going to be a new offensive coordinator. It's not going to be – it's not even going to be the Kansas City Chiefs or what's really going to – got a chance to sabotage a Super Bowl run is injuries. Yeah. That's really right. what seems like it's going to do it. They've That's had, been nonstop. The Bills have played the toughest <laughs> – one of the toughest top two or three schedules in the league yeah. as far as how many games their opponents have won. Mm-hmm. They've lost three games by – we've been through this a ton. Oh, have you? By three games by a total of eight points <laughs> – they're winning close games. They're blowing people out, and they've done it while being injured as much as anybody in the league. So the only thing that's going to derail them is their own mistakes, obviously, yeah. or or penalties. I mean, penalties, injuries, injuries. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's, that's it. That is it. But man, but to have all of that, you know what? And be eight and three. Get, yeah, right. <laughs> to be eight that's and three right, right mm-hmm. now, going into another Thursday night game against New a team that is dominant. We've dominated the last couple of years, yeah. uh, taken away from them. So, yeah, I, I – hey, man, I have to do this once again, take my hat off to Sean McDermott, Brandon yeah. Bean, and the scouting department. Yeah. 
These yeah. guys are backups, and they're getting valuable time right now. Oh, yeah. Valuable time right now, and that's going to help them in years to come. But for right now, the way this team has won, uh, they're out there fighting every single game. Yeah. I, I want to talk to both of you guys about this because you had a head coach in Marv Levy who was great at resetting – the motivation level of the football team after you had been to the top of the mountain and you had to kind of reset the hit the reset button and go try to climb the mountain again. It's a little bit different than what the Bills had to do these last 10 days. But managing the crisis that Sean McDermott had to manage these past 10 days with five guys sick, a slew of injuries, mm. not being able to practice because it was a snowstorm, <laughs> relocating a home game, <laughs> More injuries coming out of that game, playing in four days, going back on the road again, losing your best pass rusher and your left tackle in the game yesterday in the first half, and you won both of them despite all that. And you practiced once in 10 days, one full practice in 10 days. Managing crisis. Talk to me about Sean McDermott doing that. If he goes out and win the division – and if we get second or third seed or whatever, or even the first seed, yeah. coach of the year without a doubt. Coach of the year yeah, without a doubt. He won't get he it. He won't get it, he though, because of the it. expectations of this team. Oh, they were supposed to win. Oh, ah, no, no. I, I, I think people – I, I know that's how they probably Brian do it, Dable, but I think they're looking Brian at – Brian will get it or – Or the kid the, up in Minnesota. Minnesota. The Giants are going to finish 10-7. and seven. You think he's going to get it, finishing 10-7? and seven? Yeah. yeah, we're watching the slow fade. Really? The, the Giants? Yes. 10 and 7? Yes. He'll get it. No. Not he might be no. unanimous. Well, he'll get no. pumped up. It's, New York. it's for it's one the thing, New York it's media New York. pump up. Oh. That is, there is some validity to that. There, I it's will the New York media, Steve and it's the expectations. I don't know if 10 and 7 is going to get it. Okay, so, so, they, so you're they, saying right now, what you're really saying right now is that both of the two New York teams, they're the front roaders for the coach of the year? Yeah. Absolutely. Really? The, only reason the Jets yeah. and the Giants? If yeah, the Jets win I, 10 games. Jets aren't winning 10 games. Yeah, if they do, they're, they're going to – he'll be coach okay. of the year. Okay. Or, the, or Dayball will. I, okay. I, I, I will say I agree there is an element of media pump-up that the New York media gives New York teams. There is no debating that. But let's think about this, Steve. They are, what, 7-4 and four now, the Giants? If this slow fade continues <laughs> yeah, they, they may and be, they go 500 the rest of the way, Brian Dable's not getting coach of the they year. They might be 8 and 9. coach of the year. Kevin O'Connell might get it up in Minnesota. Yeah. First year coach. He might get it. They just, yeah. they just won again last night. I mean, some yeah. of what they're doing is with a little smoke and mirrors, but it's working. Yeah, it's working. I fell asleep on that game. Didn't really watch it. Yeah, but. they beat the Patriots, and yeah, you were in a tryptophan coma, yeah. weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I told you. I went through two or three yesterday. Yeah, that, <laughs> the tryptophan yeah, I didn't even see, the, I didn't even see the end of that game. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a – yeah, the, <clears throat> the three games yesterday, and I just They're knew – yeah. I just knew the – there was no way the Vikings were going to beat the Patriots last night. Patriots – The Vikings did beat the Patriots. I know. I just knew they weren't. And right. I was surprised. Oh, you resigned I yourself. To, I resigned I see myself, what you're saying. myself yeah. to the fact. Plus, we've got, and we were laughing about this. You know, the Chiefs. <laughs> the Chiefs are playing the Rams with Joey Bag of Donuts playing quarterback tonight. I don't know who he is. <laughs> and then the the Miami Dolphins are playing the Houston Texans with Tommy Schmegmahoyten at quarterback because they just he's benched, not wrong. They benched it's Kyle Allen. Yeah, they to be to be fair. Yeah, and they benched. They benched. Davis Mills got benched. 
the guy that, you know. The, and the Rams' top two quarterbacks are injured. I mean, so we Wolford can't – the Bills are not Seth. getting any breaks. No, no. The teams the they need to lose are playing – The rubber will meet the road for the Dolphins after this week. they got to go on the road and play the Niners and then – or the Chargers and then the Niners. Back-to-back weeks, West Coast trips. Let's throw a little adversity their way for once. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, they got some games that they can lose. Absolutely, I mean, road, road, schedule. road, all in a row. It there doesn't. Yeah, but I, I look at our schedule. I, I know what the Dolphins. Got. I know what we have to do to the Dolphins. We have to beat them the yeah. next time we play them. Uh, I mean, I think we pretty much got a sweep. The Bills have three. We got to win the four. Three, three win division. The four. Three yeah. division games coming up right now at New England, at home against the Jets, at home against Miami. There's your season right there. There it is, right there. That's the division right there. Yeah. Whatever happens in those games is going to decide who walks off with it. Um, and that's it. There ain't no two ways about it. By week 18, when they play the Patriots here, I think it's all going to be said it's all going to be, in, be it's going to be done in the wash. And said we were seven and six last year at the at after uh, 13 games. That's correct. Seven and six after 13 games. That is correct. They lost to Tampa in overtime. Right. And I believe that was either a second consecutive defeat, um, and then they just ripped off four wins after. In a row right well, there. they got the they got to the Tampa game, and then it was they up till that point from week six, it was they lost – they beat the Chiefs in week five, right? Mm-hmm. They lost to Tennessee, beat Miami, lost to Jacksonville, beat New York, lost to Indianapolis, yeah, beat New Orleans. And, losses for six and, weeks. and then they lost two in a row, New England yeah, and then Tampa row, Bay. And then they, they ran yeah, the table ran with two four. Josh Allen's never lost three in a row. <clears throat> right. Really? So, yeah. Really? Yeah. So that was it. They, wow. they were They were – Five hundred club for six or seven weeks last year yeah. of the season, and, and then they found their footing. The run game took off. The pass rush improved, and then yeah. they couldn't be stopped. But th- you know, this year, I- I'm I'm injuries are the story of this team this year, and they haven't been in terms for, of what's holding them back. They, yes, they have not been uh, for two or three years. That has not even been a conversation to have. Um, now well, it's a problem. One of the healthiest teams, and so. If you'd think at some point that would rinse out and even out and they start to get healthy a little bit. <laughs> yeah. How about that starts now? Yeah, right. Please. Please. <laughs> I mean, I mean come on, we're running out of really now to start. And and one of the guys that I've been talking about for the past couple of years, man, that has I think we miss a lot of Tremaine Edmonds. I think we miss a lot out of him when he's yeah, I know there's a, there's been because there's been talk around well, fans about oh he's not doing this or he's not doing we don't see him as often or whatever you know i'm like talking about a 20 year old kid came in here and here take over the middle yeah linebacker run the defense defense for us they're 20 years old i'm i'm a big i'm a big pro i said this a little earlier in the show i think when tremaine's in there he's so long he's i mean you can't i mean the guy stands out (laughs) he's a condor on a field full of guys who stand out he stands out because of his build, when he's in the middle of the field for the Bills' defense, the space around him is expanded where he scares <laughs> quarterbacks off the throw. Yeah. So he doesn't make some of these plays, but he makes it just because the quarterback won't throw it over there because he, it's like this big shadow standing there. He won't throw it in there thinking – I think he can't been, get it around. There's him. been a couple of plays this year where absolutely, where and all it takes in these games is like three of them. them. Right, that's all it takes. Yeah, so. and that's just it's impossible. It makes it an impossible throw in the quarterback's mind. They won't let it loose. Yeah, yeah. It, but you know what? With with saying that, 
and talking about how valuable we think he is. You know, you're coming up here now with Ed and Trumaine. It's a tough decision to make. Well, Ed's fifth-year option yeah. is next year. It's so next he's year. under contract okay. for next year, under the fifth-year option, so you can wait on that. Okay, all right. Edmonds, you got to take care of in the offseason. Got to. Um, I, I he's too hope. valuable. And, and, <laughs> and let's not forget this either. He's 25 years old. He's, 25. he's entering the prime of his career. You could sign him to a seven-year contract, and he's only 32. 32. At the end of the thing. Yeah. Right. Sign, and that's what I would do, quite right. frankly, if yeah. I'm the Bills. I would sign him to the longest contract you can possibly think of just to spread the money out. Yeah. You know what yes, I mean? Like, absolutely. Because he's 25. I mean, you got to – there's no doubt. And they've done this before. Well, they're going to make him an offer. And, you know, the Milano, they got him for, like, what, $7 million a year or something like no, that? No, it was no, 11. 10, was it? 11, 10, 11 a year. Um, that's and that that's a bargain. A, a team-friendly deal. It's a team-friendly deal, yeah. and it's a, now the way he's playing, it's a bargain. Right. Um, but Edmonds is they did the same thing. fifth-year option did, now. Fifth-year option. And they yeah. also did the same thing with Taron Johnson. They signed him to, like, a three-year three deal. Three-year, 24 and, and, million. And yeah. it's like, wow. Uh, they're, play, they're outplaying the contract. Mo- mainly this year they're outplaying – I mean – Taryn's out playing his contract because he's on the field. Um, Micah is off the field, and he, yeah. you know, I mean, you're glad you got him, but he's not helping. So this, I, they're gonna, they got to make a play to try and sign Tremaine. Ed, they can wait on a year, and and let the cap expand, expand. greatly. It's going to expand greatly uh, in this next year. So we'll see. Yeah, Thurm, I want to get your thoughts before we have to break here about. The last two weeks, Singletary's play running the football because, I mean, he has been very – I feel he's been very consistent these last two games especially. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I, I love it. I've been, I've been talking to him and James Cook, you know, before every game, you know, and just telling them, you know, hey, go out there and just be yourself. You know, do what you have to do. Because with Devin, it's different because he's been here a number of years. Yeah. And we pretty much everybody know what he can do. And uh, I tell you what, man, he's he's been as solid a football player at that position for Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean as anybody else. Really, when you really think. He doesn't get a lot of carries. I mean, right. he catches a ball, four or five balls out of the backfield or whatever. But his, like, positive yardage gain is, like, every time he touches the ball, got to be at least seven or eight yards every time he touches the ball. He's almost – I mean, he'll have a couple of no gains in right. there, here and there, but it's never a TFL. No. And I think – and please, I'm not trying to say he's like you, but if there was one quality of your game that you had that I think he also has, you used to make something out of nothing. You know, you'd find the tiniest little crease and get two or three yards when, when most people would yeah, be would, like, that's a zero that. carry. Yeah, right. You'd get two or three. I think yeah. he's got that he knack, does. too. Oh, absolutely he does. I mean, and, and hiding really behind that offensive line. I mean, he's 5'7". These guys are 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he's hiding behind those guys. He's getting yards and, and seeing cracks where no other guys would normally see him. And I, I, I think he's been one for this football team. I think James Cook is coming along very, very nicely. Uh, so, I, I, I think they're – these last stretch of games, I would have loved to see the running game a little bit more against Detroit. I mean, they were, what, 31st against the run? Yeah, better in recent weeks. Better yes, in recent 31st, weeks. And, yeah. and, and let me tell you, there are no slouch up front. Oh, that's a good team. That's a very they, good football team. And it kind of showed yesterday 
if you can have that type of front four and maybe rotate in a couple of guys, it's been kind of giving us a little bit of problem. I mean, that's what the Jets yeah, yeah. did, right? Yeah. I mean, so – but I didn't – like yesterday, I, until they announced it on television, I didn't even know Deion Dawkins was out. Yeah, because it, it happened right at the end of the first half. Right. And I watched him limp off. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, well, let's keep an eye on that in the second half. And then they come out for the second half. I'm like, oh, Questenberry's in. And then I'm looking on the yeah. bench, and I can't even find <laughs> Deion. Yeah. So, he was yeah. out there later. Yeah, later. Around, yeah. Cheering guys on. But – it's a it's going to be a problem that the Detroit defense over the past month of the three game winning streak now the three and one over the last month, they're a top five defense. Mm-hmm. They played like it and yeah. they're they're acting like it. And I said if it wasn't for their you know one and six start kind of tanks your season, but man oh man they're playing really good. <laughs> they're playing really they're good playing football. Really good. It was right. a tough game. There's no question. And the, and it was made tougher by the deficiencies of the Bills roster, right? Because they they got all these injuries plus in game stuff that happened. Vaughn. Dion, yeah. all that stuff. That um, they got a they got a nice football team that they're building right there. I mean, they're still right. years and years away. You, but I, I think that yeah, yeah, they're good. Therm, exactly. Sorry, we are out of time already. But oh thanks for, man, really? Th- <laughs> I for, just got here. You, I mean, I, I'll keep you for another segment. No, we I gotta take go. a break here. No, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, we're 8-3, and three, man. Bring on the Patriots. I'm ready to go. All right. Yeah, we, that's it. Oh, my gosh. We'll catch up with you next week, <laughs> Thurm. Patriot Thanks week. for the time. As always, enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. We'll right. catch up with you next week. That Thank is you, sir. The Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas joining us here on One Bills Live. We'll take a break. Be back with more, including your phone calls here on One Bills Live. Time now for New York Lottery's Biggest Gift, presented by the New York Lottery. Dream big this season with holiday scratch-off games for your chance to gift a win up to $1 million. You must be 18 years or older to purchase a lottery ticket. Please gift responsibly. And this week's Biggest Gift, presented by the New York Lottery, was Josh Allen's 36-yard rocket ball to Stefan Diggs with 23 seconds left in the football game. He held the safety off on the left and then fired it 36 yards into Stefan Diggs, got there in the nick of time. And we said it earlier in the show, the DBs, of the, the safeties of the Lions just did not believe that ball could be thrown there faster than they could cover that ground. And they were just late getting there. And Steph Diggs makes a phenomenal catch, uh, simultaneously catching it and getting whacked in the backside by the safety Joseph, and that right there was your ball game. Yeah, and uh, Diggs, by the way, finishes eight catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. Isaiah McKenzie, six for 96 and a touchdown. Those two guys kind of spearheaded the receiving effort. That's the biggest gift presented by the New York Lottery. Uh, Other things to discuss, you know, we got another game in six days. The mini buy will not happen until next week at this time. You got to believe they'd prefer to have it now. Um, After what they've been through, yeah, it would be great. Wise. But it's going to be nice because they go in on a Thursday, next Thursday night, December 1st, and then they short trip. Then they get a wait and they get two straight home games. The Jets and the Dolphins come to town December 11th, December 18th. That, there's your, uh, and, the, and the Dolphin game is probably going to be Saturday, right? Uh, I wouldn't count on that. Why? I think it might be a flex candidate. Well, that's what I'm saying. To it's Sunday not, night. That's, it's, they don't know when it's going to be determined. Yeah. So I'm thinking it might be 
the Saturday centerpiece, depending on how the Bills play in the next couple of weeks. Right. Um, if the Bills sweep the Patriots and the Jets, if they win both those games coming up, that game against the Miami Dolphins is going to be the centerpiece of the weekend for the league. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's any. Because there's the one seed at stake in that yeah. game. There's no debate about it. Let's go to the phones real quick here at 803-0550. got uh, Bob in Hamburg waiting patiently for us. What do you got for us, Bob? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, Brownie, you are exactly right. These people, I listen to a lot of talk shows, and people are bitching about not scoring 40 points every game. Detroit pays their players, too. I've been watching football since 1965. Fans, I sat through two win games, one win games. Be patient. And I had MVP of this team is Brandon Bean. He brought in backup players that could be starting on other teams. So stop the crying. Don't be a New Englander. Take care. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Appreciate Bob. it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying. Look, I'll be the first person to admit that I get frustrated when, you know, execution is an issue for this football team. But you got to read the room here and everything that has happened to this team in the last 10 days. It is unprecedented. It's unprecedented. And look, I know they had a relocated game in 2014. I was there. I went to Detroit with the team and watched them practice in Detroit's practice facility on Thursday and Friday and Saturday before a game got moved to Monday night in Detroit. So I saw that this is worse because of the injury situation and because of what the snow did to cancel practices completely. The bills have not had a regular game week practice in full. Well, they've had one. In the last 10 days. You obviously didn't practice these past three days leading up to yesterday's game because of the quick turnaround. You're resting bodies, so it's essentially walkthroughs. So you're not practicing tackling. You know, you're not doing any of that. You're not even catching footballs at full speed, running plays. You're doing glorified walkthroughs for the last four days. And then prior to that, the snow kept you from practicing with the exception of Thursday. Thursday was the only day this team got a full practice in of a week ago. That's the only full practice in the last 10 days. So if they're a little off in the passing game or the tackling isn't airtight, look at what they've had to deal with the last 10 days. You tell me how good you'd play. Yeah. And they still won both football games. Yeah, they did one. They won both games. They're playing. They're still managing to eke out these victories. And I'll say this. It's, because of a gargantuan effort and some plays by some star players, and that's when you need them. Uh, now it's starting to creep up the roster. Now you got a star player out of the line, two star players that left the lineup yesterday in Deion Dawkins, their left tackle, and, of course, Von Miller, who's out yeah. and maybe who's going to miss this game against New England coming up for sure as well. Um, it's getting worse. It's not getting better. Now, certainly on the other end of it, you're getting guys healthy because they've been out for a minute. Yeah, you hope. We'll see. Morse didn't play yesterday. But you hope that helps him recover yeah, faster to play this week. There's there's no guarantees any of these guys going to be back right. in the lineup. So right now you're sitting in a pretty bad spot with your roster with a lot of question marks. You've lost a star player. You've got a key player in your left tackle that's out as well, uh, along with Vaughn. I mean, goodness gracious. 
and you're still waiting for Edmonds, Rousseau, Mitch Morse to get back. I mean, you're waiting on three others. It's not like you're – and look, everybody's playing a role on this team, don't get me wrong, but when you're losing a handful of starting players, it <laughs> – well, it'd be all right. A handful on one, a handful scattered over twenty-two is kind of maybe okay. You got a normal, maybe three guys that are out, and usually, or maybe four. It's but a problem. You got a handful that were just on the defensive side yesterday, yeah. and um, and it's been that way. And it got more worse on the offensive year. side. So it's yeah, there. It's a battle right now, and kudos to Sean McDermott and the coaching staff for getting it done yesterday and the players of course for getting it done yesterday in a tough environment we're going to break here when we come back it's our weekly visit from senior producer from NFL Films Greg Cosell he'll be joining us next to talk about this game yesterday the X's and O's breakdown next on One Bills Live Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, hour number two here on this Buffalo Victory Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And we bring in, at this time every week, one Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films. Greg Cosell's weekly segment presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, Greg. Same to you guys. To, uh been, a, I guess, an eventful last uh, five days uh, for the Bills yeah, to and say, for you guys. To say the least. Yeah, they they squeaked out. They got two victories, no question about it, but it cost them some stuff. Von Miller's hurt. Deion yeah. Dawkins is hurt. Uh, they got Tredavious White, 15 plays in the Detroit game. He went in for on a pitch count, seemed to play okay. Nothing happened. His name wasn't called, and he, he seems to be fine, out without any scratches. But, you know, Greg Rousseau was already out. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is still out. Uh, so they've got some injury problems that seem to be hounding them. But, man, oh, man, they, they're playing good enough to win. Yeah, and the shame of it is is that they play next Thursday, not next Sunday. So they only have the one week now. And obviously that's a very big game. But, um, no, look, hey, given what happened in Buffalo with the weather and the fact that they had to go to Detroit, come back, and then go back to Detroit, just the fact to get two victories um, – and, and those were tough games. I mean, obviously, they fell behind to Cleveland and came back and won. Um, ye- yesterday's game was uh, probably a nail-biter for a lot of Buffalo fans. So, uh, hey, Steve, you know, you played. At this time of year, you know what? You just want to get a win. Yeah. And they did. And tell I don't want to get backward, go backwards, but talk to us a little bit about that final drive for Buffalo. 23 seconds on the clock. Josh drops back, and I've been saying uh, it looks like the safeties for the Lions, they just don't think he can rope that thing in there before they can break on the ball, and they just left him too much room. Well, 
you know, they played a coverage that was clearly specific to that situation because they kind of played a two-man coverage, but they had a robber sitting 12 yards from the line of scrimmage. Now, you could debate whether that's good coverage or not, but that's what they did. And um, basically, you know, Diggs ran the inside post from the uh, the slot to the field, and that, that sort of robber uh, defender who was more the, their dime player – he wasn't really in position to play that ball because he was too shallow. Um, but that ball, I mean, you know, we I was talking with one of my guys on the matchup show today who came in and had to do a little work as well because obviously I watched the tape this morning of your game. But uh, uh, there's not many guys who could have made that throw because, uh, you know, that safety, I forget which safety it was, he hit Diggs literally right as the ball hit right. Diggs' It was Joseph. Chest. It, was Joseph, so it yeah. wasn't as if he was really late to get there. Um but that throw, I don't know, Steve, not a lot of guys. We were trying to think of the list of guys in the league that could make that throw. I saw something on Twitter that said that the ball traveled 59 miles per hour. Oh, yeah. He he put a little extra mustard on it for sure. As impressive as that you know, 23-second drive was to get into field goal range to win the thing, Greg, I was, I was more impressed with the efficiency of the drive right before that. Yep. 14 plays. Yeah. 90 yeah. yards and a, and a real mix of run and pass there, you know, with Singletary on the ground. Yeah, and, and you know what? I thought that they handled that drive exceptionally well for this reason, Brownie. Um, I don't I, I think that this game was when you look at the game as a whole and, I, I you know, it's Thanksgiving and I, I have family obligations. So I didn't see any of the three games in their entirety. So I couldn't get a feel for game flow of any of the games. Um, so until I watched the tape this morning, I didn't know exactly how the game played out. Um, and the protection was not very good all game long. Right. And Josh started, which happens a lot with quarterbacks when the protection is not good, is they start to anticipate and perceive pressure that is technically not there by NFL standards. But it's understandable because they've been getting it for most of the game. And I thought Josh missed a couple of things where he could have stayed a beat longer in the pocket. He could have hit McKenzie for a second touchdown. I think it might have been late in the first half, and then he got sacked on the very next play, if I'm not mistaken. It was the same play, and he could have hit McKenzie for a second touchdown, but he broke down just a little too early. So, you know, he was starting to play just a little bit fast because the pressure was pretty constant. Um, so I thought – to get to your point about that final 14 play 90 yard drive, I thought the way they played it was really smart. Instead of trying to have him have deep drops and drive the ball down the field, they kind of played it methodical, efficient. And this way you, you minimize any issues with your offensive line. Cause obviously Dawkins was out for the whole second half as well. That's right. And, and as you, as you said, what else did you see um, if, as you watched it, what are the bills doing offensively? To, you know, I mean, because we're you, Dawson Knox disappears and then shows up on the last drive and the most crucial drive of the game he shows up twice. Yeah. Um, what do you think they're doing? And what's Ken Dorsey's, you know, what, how would you characterize what they're doing offensively, play selection and all of that? Um, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting mix to me, Steve, because I would say that they don't really push the ball down the field a lot. And that could be a function of the O line. The reality is, and, you know, all I can do is tell you what the tape shows. I would say that their O-line is probably above average, but not probably better than that when you look at the rest of the league. Um, 
you know, obviously you have a quarterback that can make things happen, but you don't want to live like that. You don't want your offense to be your quarterback dropping back and running around. He obviously can do that, and in critical moments, he certainly can do that. Obviously, he had the 21-yard uh, scramble on the first touchdown drive uh, where everything you know, just parted and he saw the, the space. Um, I noticed they were in empty quite a bit yesterday, Steve. And you know, empty, you can go empty when you feel that the other team is going to pressure, and the Lions have been a pretty high-pressure defense because, as you know, it forces the defense to declare a little bit. If you spread a defense out and they want to pressure, they have to show their pressure. So then you know where it's coming from. Um, so they were actually very efficient versus empty. Josh was efficient. He was eight for 11 for 140 yards. Now he was sacked twice and empty, but um, they were efficient with those 15 empty dropbacks overall. Uh, but, they, you know, it's a lot of quick game throws as well. Uh, so I think they're trying to do a lot of different things. But the big plays in terms of, of structured big plays have not been there, I think, as, as much as they probably would like to have. What do we make of Ed Oliver's play the last two weeks, uh, Greg? I mean, not just this, yeah. I know I know he's going against two backup guards yesterday, um, but I talked to him in the locker room after, and on the sack safety, he said Leslie Frazier dialed up a play specifically to get him a one-on-one -on -one matchup with the guard, and that's just what he got. Yeah, it's funny you say that because um, yesterday morning, Thanksgiving morning, I actually came in to watch the Bills defense from last week because I wanted to make sure I was totally up to date. And I made a note to myself that Oliver, as I was watching that tape from the Browns game, that Oliver's playing at a really high level. And then you get the game yesterday and it continued. I mean, you know, he's he's really playing well. And, and I'm, I'm just trying to look for what I typed. Oh, I said, Oliver continued to play excellent football. He has outstanding quickness off the ball and is explosive both vertically, vertically and laterally. What has shown up more this season has been short area strength and power because he's not a 300-pound guy, but he's shown a lot of strength and power in, in those one-on-one -on -one matchups. Um, he had one against Skipper yesterday where I don't believe he got a sack. Well, no, maybe, you know what? I think it was the safety. Yeah. Yes, it was the safety where he just drove Skipper, who's a much bigger man. He just drove him right back into the pocket. So it was the safety. So he's been doing more and more of that, Brownie. And, you know, again, he's probably 280 pounds. Right. And that's one of the things that's been the difference is the defensive tackle play this season where – you know, they've just been able to hold that point uh, yeah. so well, it, not only in the run game, but also getting penetration with with Ed Oliver coming like on this play we're watching now. He comes behind the guard and still has enough explosion to get into the backfield and stop the running back. That's something that's going to serve them well, particularly with their defensive ends being as injured as they are. Yeah, and that's that's a key as well now. Um, you know, I noticed there were a couple of times they played Jones out at wide nine. I mean, they're looking now for defensive ends. You know, Basham, obviously, the last number of weeks, he's played meaningful snaps, obviously, because um, Rousseau's out, Epinesa's out. So you've got to go down the list. And, and this is what you do. I mean, it's that time of year. You hope these guys get back because you want to be at relatively full strength as you go down the stretch. Rousseau's a high ankle sprain, right? Yes. Right. So, those, you know, unfortunately, I had too many of those myself when I used to play basketball, and they take time. Uh, you know, no matter what you do, they don't go away real fast. Right. Looking at the Bills' defensive backs, a little bit of a tough day yesterday, and even against the Browns in the second half yeah. of that game, they had their share of troubles. What do you 
what do you see? Is, is there a route combination that seems to be a trouble spot for them in, in some of the review of the tape that you've seen? Or is it just pretty much all across the board? They're just having trouble plastering on man calls and <clears throat> trouble yeah. passing off in zone calls. Well, the man is probably the main issue, Brownie, because they played their highest, you know, they played a pretty high percentage of man coverage yesterday. Yeah. I don't think it was the highest of any game this season, but it was pretty high. Um, the Lions clearly went after Jackson. It started early. Um, and, you know, it was, he had a, a little bit of a rough go here and there uh, throughout the game. Um, obviously, White played, I believe, the first 15 or 16 snaps yeah. and then did, did not play again. So it was basically Bedford who got more snaps than Elam, but on the other side, because Jackson's been playing the boundary corner. So it's basically Jackson, uh, Johnson, I mean, excuse me, Elam and uh, Bedford playing the uh, the field corner. Um, but no, they teams have been going after them. They've been playing a good amount of man. And uh, if you want to keep playing man, and you know what, in this league, at some point, you do have to play man, Brownie, as you know, yeah. then you just have to play better. I mean, that's teams will go after them and throw the football. And and I thought the Lions, actually, when I watched the offensive tape, I thought their their offensive coordinator, I guess his name is Ben Johnson, a young guy. I thought he did a really, really good job with the use of motion, formations, creating one-on-one matchups. And teams are going to take note of this the last two weeks, and they're going to keep doing that. I mean, they're going to play the Patriots a week, uh, you know, in six days. And, and the Patriots coming off what Mac Jones did, you know, last night throwing for 382, they're going to look at it and say, hey, you know what? Let's try to create some one-on-one matchup if they're going to play man. Right, and if, if the Bills are going to play man, it would it's it really seems to be a big ask, particularly with their yep. defensive end roster has been decimated by injury. So the pass rush may not be there to help them out at all. So playing man may be a massive roll of the dice. Well, it's interesting to say that, Steve, because this past week, yesterday, uh, um, they had their their highest percentage of five-man pressures of any game this season. So they may realize, hey, we want to play some man, so let's try to speed up the quarter, particularly a quarterback, and Jones would be similar to Goff in the sense that they're not going to make second reaction plays. You know, maybe you don't do that against the Patrick Mahomes of the world, but with quarterbacks that are essentially pocket players, maybe you feel, hey, we, we... speed them up we make them get the ball out quicker and we have a better chance if we're going to play man you know because then they don't have to cover for as long because they really pressured a lot yesterday yeah let's talk about that because that didn't really happen until the second half when Frazier started calling more of the zero calls and it worked it was effective you know sending Milano clean on a couple um yeah you know and it looked like there was one particular series, and I'm not going to remember the exact series. I want to say it was early fourth quarter where Goff just looked the most out of sorts that I had seen him the entire game, and, and they had a couple of pressure calls dialed up on that series. Yeah, <clears throat> I think they might have only had one true snap of zero that I recall, but but they were coming pretty good. They had a lot of five-man pressures, different ways they got to it. They even had what we call four-man zone exchange pressures where they bring either Klein or Milano, I think maybe even Johnson once or twice, where you're still only rushing four, but it's it's a second or third level player who's the fourth rusher, and that can confuse protection at times. So you're right, Brownie. They were very aggressive. Um, and again, they had a quarterback who is a rhythm player and who doesn't move. So it made sense. And you're right. There was a stretch. There was a fourth quarter drive where Goff who for the most part I thought played a 
played a pretty solid yeah. game, but he had that stretch where he looked uh, everything was happening a little fast. Right, and when that does happen, you would think if he got a, if you can get him to pat the football once or twice extra yep. in the pocket, you can get him on the ground. What did you think about the play of AJ Klein? He wasn't even on the team two weeks ago. Not only was he playing yesterday, he was calling the defense. Yeah, well, we had talked about that. Uh, I it was a week or two before. Remember, we had talked yep. about the fact that we thought it would be AJ Klein who would end up playing. And, you know, it's funny. I watched him pretty carefully this week because, obviously, you know, Dotson played pretty much every snap the week before. And, you know, this is just a, a tape study observation. I don't think Dotson sees things. You know, the term everybody uses is key and diagnose for a linebacker. I don't think Dotson sees it that fast, whereas A.J. Klein does. You know, A.J. Klein, you know, the reason why he's never been like a big-time full-time starter, well, he has been a full-time starter, but, you know, a big-time linebacker is just one would probably argue that the athletic traits are just a notch below what you'd ultimately like, but he sees it. He His key in diagnose is above that of Dotson, and it didn't surprise me that he was the one who played. Although, when I put the tape on and started the game, and I'm seeing the first play of the game because the, the – uh, um, Lions had a fullback in the game. I'm saying, what's going on here? They're playing three linebackers. Right. I, had a, I thought maybe I was watching the wrong tape. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they did go to that when they played the heavy formations, uh, as you would expect uh, even the Bills to do, just to kind of help themselves a little bit. And I was talking about the tackle that Klein made on Swift out in the right flat at the end of the game. He doesn't make that tackle. Oh, yeah. Swift's in the end zone, uh, and it's not even close. Poyer's the only guy within 30 yards of him. Yep. Uh, at the time, and, of that play. and he kept him in bounds too. Yes, yes, it was a huge play by a veteran player. Um, the last thing I want to talk to you about, Greg, is obviously the game next week. Patriots. You touched on Mac being a pocket guy, so maybe some pressure calls would be in order again next week, especially if they're really short-handed at the defensive end position. So that's that's kind of the four-one-one on on the defensive approach, perhaps. What do you see from the New England defense, and, and what do you think would make sense for the Bills from an op offensive perspective in terms of a game plan? Yeah, I haven't seen the New England defense this week, but, I, you know, I've seen them, and um, they're a good defense. Um, you know, Matt Judon is, is a load. I mean, if Dawkins cannot go, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way. They can't let Matt Judon wreck their game, and you can't go into the game with the idea that, hey, Josh is just going to run around and make plays. <clears throat> that, that, you know, as much as we, we know that Josh can do that and he can be special on any given play, that's a tough way to think that you have to play offense. So I'll, I'll be very curious, Brownie, given their defense and given Judon, who's been since almost every game, he's been really, really good. Um, you know how they go about that, you know, because like I said, they were an empty this week. Maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe they have to realize that they've got to keep uh, a tight end into chip. Maybe it's a game where they come out and um, look, last week against Cleveland, they played a ton out of base personnel. We we didn't really get a chance to talk about that. Against Cleveland, they played uh, only about 40% with three wide receivers and, a, and over 60% out of base personnel. This week, it was heavy, heavy 11 personnel, three wide. Maybe when they play New England, they go back to playing with a tight end and a fullback and, and you know, with the idea that, hey, let's chip, let's protect, and, and, you know, let's not worry about Josh being under duress so much. 
And what do you think um, some of the guys on – you mentioned Judon, and he's kind of the name that jumps to the top of the Patriot defense. What about their secondary? I mean, J.C. Jackson's not there anymore, and we had – No. And, and Bill's fans, um, Brownie and I were saying, gosh, I wish J.C. Jackson was there because Diggs turns him into the ground whenever they play. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Right? So, uh, yeah. they, they you, on the surface it says, well, they didn't get any better. They actually got worse without him. But how are they playing in the secondary? Um, you know, I think they're playing, they're playing pretty well. Um, you know, I think it's a good defense overall, you know, keep in mind, this is a defense that doesn't quite play as much man coverage as we've come to expect. And, and that just may be a personnel thing. It may be Bill Belichick thinking, Hey, I want to change things. We'll never know the answer to that, but we used to automatically say going back the last, what, two, three, four years that, Oh, that you're going to get a ton of man coverage. They don't quite play as much man as they used to. Um, it's still a lot of, of of single high. You know, that that's predominantly what they play, single high. But it's a lot more cover three. And cover three, as you know, Steve, that can have 10 different variations depending on formation and personnel. So they've been playing a lot more cover three with all its variations than straight, you know, cover one, man coverage. Yeah. And we'll have to see what their running back situation looks like. Damian Harris left the game yesterday with an injury against Minnesota, so we'll have to see what his status is heading into the week next week. Thanks very much, Greg. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. Uh, try Try to back off the tape, all right? Take a break. I don't know if I can, Brownie. I got a lot to do. It's that time of year. I got gotcha. you. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Greg. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films and also co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show, which airs every weekend on ESPN and ESPN2. We will take a break here. When Steve and I come back, we'll get some of your thoughts on the tweet sheet, your biggest takeaways from the win yesterday, next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on this Buffalo Victory Friday. And it's time for us to go around the locker room, presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. And we begin with Josh Allen describing his 36-yard rocket ball to Stefan Diggs with 23 seconds left in the game. Uh, they were playing a little two-man concept, and um, actually me and Doris kind of talked about that a few days ago. Um, you know, we saw the same look in, in a previous game and just said, hey, let's let's put this play in just, just in case we might need it. We called it, and Steph ran a heck of a route and uh, just gave him a chance. He made a heck of a play. Um, and then, obviously, T-Bass being able to, you know, have a short memory after that PAT and kick the game-winning field goal, that's, that's dude's tough as nails. Right? That's tough to do for an NFL kicker. You know, you just missed one. You're stepping up to the plate to win a game, uh, and he delivered for us. Steve, I have to ask you, in the intricacies of film study, you know, you have these times in film study where you say, ooh, we've got a play that would work really well against that coverage. Right. <clears throat> now tell me this. What are the odds of using that play on a game-winning drive at right. the end of a football game to win? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty m- remote, right? Pretty remote, although that's why you put in every play. You put it in thinking you can, you know, you can beat them. Um, but being able to recall that play for that look – and having it on the table right when they give you that look, getting into it quick, having everybody being on the same page. That, right call, right time is right. pretty rare. Yeah, exactly. And that's um, 
that's the beauty of it, and that's why you know that's, that's why it's hard to win. I mean, there's that, a lot, there's about a million moving parts in that scenario, and they got them right. It's not just right call, right time. It's got to have it. Like we're out right. of time here. Got to have it. Right. They needed a chunk play on that drive, or it doesn't happen. That's right. Yeah, you weren't going to go five yards, five yards, five yards. No, not like you did on the previous drive, 14 right. for 90. You're not doing that. Yeah, you got to get up the you field. Got no, it's 23 seconds. Yeah, that's, what I mean. that's what I'm saying. Pretty remarkable. All right, uh, next up, Stefan Diggs on not feeling the pressure in the pressure-packed moments. I feel like my responsibility is a good word. Uh, you know, some, some other people might have called it pressure. Uh, but when I anticipate going into those drives, those last drives, um, I'm right on my cue, and I tell them to trust me out there. You know what Whatever you see, uh, man, it's me or nobody. So I, I just want them to trust me out there, especially in those moments. Um, I don't feel any added, added responsibility. It's just my team trusts me, and my team, my team looks for me to make those plays. And uh, I never want to let my teammates down. You know, I kind of play for my teammates. You know, I play with that energy, and I try to always bring that positive energy and that, those positive manifestations and, you know, affirmations. So... When those moments come around, I want to show them that it is true. You know, I'm not just – I practice what I preach. I mean, I know CBS showed the clip. After he scored the five-yard touchdown, he goes up to Josh on the bench and says, I told you, bro, trust me. Yeah. And, you know, Josh That's, gives him a high five it's, a, it's the insight into the mentality you need to have in those moments where you cherish it. You, the, you know – that's what you got to want. You got to want those moments. And, and it's rare for guys. Sometimes guys have a hard time with it. When those moments come, they don't want any part of it because they don't want to be the guy that blows it. Um, in actuality, you, you got to say, give me the chance. Um, you got to forget about the consequences. You want the reward, you know. Uh, that's hard to stay in that sometimes in a game like that when mm-hmm. so much is on the line and so important and there's, you know, so much – tension and drama packed into the moment it's hard to get outside of that and say yeah give me give me a chance to do this let me show off a little bit that's the kind of mentality you know great players have and Steph obviously exhibits it some guys just never get into that never get into that I'm worried about the consequences frame of mind and that's why you know they're a great player and they're great in good moments in In this game Tyler Bass missed just his third extra point of his career in the regular season and the first since his rookie year, December 13th, 2020, had to come back and kick a game-winning attempt with 40, from 45 yards with about eight seconds or seven seconds left on the clock. Here was Bass on getting in the right mental framework for the game winner. I just knew we were going to have another chance, you know, given our offense. I just knew another chance was going to pop up, and I got to be ready for it, and... Um, I just quickly reset and just got to my next process. Is that a challenge to do that? Um, yeah, I think for me, it, early on, it was, it's challenging um, in my career, but the more experience I have and the more times I kick and the more situations I've been through, um, I'm able to kind of get back to my baseline and kind of reset. And, you know, I have Reed Ferguson, who's an amazing snapper, Sam Martin, great, phenomenal holder. Um, I, I have them. I can lean on and trust them, and that helps me get to where I need to be. I mean, it yeah. – People think it's easy, but to shut everything out in those kinds of moments, yeah. I mean, that's what kickers are paid to do. But yeah. after missing your last kick, and now you're kicking the biggest one of the game, <laughs> yeah, I that, mean, yeah. 
Also, it should be mentioned, too, he was a guest on our show two days before that, sh- that game. That's right. Um, and it just got inside the left upright. It was uh, – and I had no I, – I guess Bills fans take it for granted. I had no doubt that ball was going through. I really didn't. And uh, it was an amazing finish to a game where the Bills had to have it. They were all kinds of injured and uh, a gutsy effort, two games in five days, and they got it done, two, wi- two wins. It was, it was a great, great moment, and I know that uh, most of those players were like, man, I need, a, I need a day off. Yeah, people, you know, people in my house after I got home for Thanksgiving evening, they were asking me, oh, was it, were they fired up on the plane? I said, are you kidding me? They were all sleeping. That, that team is exhausted after the last 10 days, and I still don't think, even now, Enough people realize. Do you know what this team has been through for the last 10 days? It's amazing. They need a nap. Like a day-long nap. And fortunately, Coach gave them a victory Friday. So they got off today, and they're, you know, they got their feet up, and deservedly so. Yeah, there's some injured guys out there getting worked out. And yeah, stuff treatment and, and stuff. And, yeah. Uh, so treatment and stuff. But, um, yeah, a lot of these guys just, you know, had a good long sleep last night if they could get if they could get to sleep. It used to be a problem for me getting to sleep after games. But uh yeah, that uh it's great that they get a full week of practice, they can get into their routine if they you know, although their routine is off by three days. So today for the players yeah. is Monday, not Friday. And it, it's gonna go tomorrow. And Saturday, Sunday will be Wednesday. Saturday is Tuesday. Sunday is Wednesday. Yeah. Monday is Thursday. It's just uh, it's it's crazy. It screws so, me up. I know. Yeah. That. They they got to kind of put that out of their mind, and uh, try to get into their routine. Uh, the, the only problem that comes into play is when they go home and spend time with their wife and kids or their parents or their girlfriend or whatever. Everybody else is on the same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule. Yeah. They're on this you know, three days off schedule where Saturday is Tuesday. And that's – it goes through all the way till went Thursday this week. So they're going to be in a funky frame of mind. Now, CBS didn't get Ed Oliver any post-game turkey leg time on the air. But he gets time on our show after the <laughs> game he had yesterday. Here is Ed Oliver in the locker room on his sack safety of Jared Goff. When you get your number call, that's all you can ask for is, is for your uh, for the play caller or your coach to uh, trust in you and dial one up for you. That's I mean when that when that comes, it's like you know because you play team football when it when it but when you the guy when they say hey we're gonna get you isolated on this guy so you can go do what you do. That's when you gotta come alive. That's when you know when they feature you. That's when you gotta play the part. That, I mean, it's simple as that. That's what I was about to say, like, what has gotten into you, you know, this season? Because you've just been making plays after plays and making yourself very noticeable, you know, standing out making those plays. I don't, I don't think nothing got into me just grow from last year to this year, just carry over. You know, I, I was uh, played with a setback at the beginning of the year and just seeing the team go out there and kick people out and win, that just, you know, that, that fueled the fire. And I said when I was able to come back and – and put on film what I was supposed to be putting on film the whole year that I was gonna make people feel me, and that's what I should be doing the whole year. But I mean, you get you get set back, and I mean, I'm just thankful uh, for health and to be able to go out there and uh, do my job. He should be thankful for health with all the stuff that's going on around him. My God, well, he went through it this year already yeah, too. He, did. he was nicked, so uh, he know, he kind of you kind of get refreshed about how good you got to be, yeah, uh, and how. Rare it is 
to feel good during the season. Oh my gosh. I mean, you just walk around just hurting all the time. So it's it's for these guys to get out and get into a game, particularly second game in five days, and feel good. Yeah. That's a gift. That is Around the Locker Room, presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. Wanted to get to the tweet sheet here as we have a little time now. Tweet sheet, as always, brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) And uh, Robert starts us off with, my take is that after all they went through these last few days, I won't count them out for the rest of the season until the clock hits double zero. They showed it to you, right? And this is the team that nobody thought could win close games about a month ago. Yeah, we I talked about that in the opening segment. You can kind of put that to rest now. Um, they've they've done in the last two games. They've done it, uh, and four of their four of their games this year, they've come out on the right end of a of a close game. Uh, it's uh, we had uh, uh, Chris Trapasso on. Uh, while you were traveling. Right, on Wednesday. And uh, he, he went down and said, listen, most of these teams, you're usually 50-50 when you're in one-score games. Uh, and if a team ever gets out of whack like that, it always comes back to the media. Yeah, law of averages. It, it, law of average. It always comes back. Uh, so when you start thinking that, that some team or other has some sort of curse or some sort of missed missing piece of their DNA that they can't win close games, just – Kind of hang in there with them because sooner or later it's going to come back and they're going to start winning games like that. And the Bills are exactly doing that. Chris on the tweet sheet says, team is not firing on all cylinders and still winning enough to stay in it. Just need to keep grinding it out until they can find their stride again. And I think if they get healthy, they will find their stride. But the getting, the health, getting healthy is the problem right now. So <clears throat> hopefully some of these guys can be fast healers. Maybe spend some extra time in the hyperbaric chamber, anything. This game against the Patriots, to me, is huge. Yeah. Because of its its division implications, of course, but also because it gets gets them one week closer to being completely healthy and there's a mini bye week after it. They're gonna get some time off after it, a couple of day extra days. And all these guys are coming back. Um, even a guy like Vaughn may be able to stru- you know, get back on the field if he is, um, if his injury is what it could be. Um, man, getting healthy at that point of the season, if you can squeak out a win against the New England Patriots in Foxborough and then hit the Jets and hit the Dolphins right after that, man, oh, man, you got to feel really good about what you've been able to weather on the injury front and still win games and get to a point where, wow, now we got some guys, we got our guys back on the field again. That's To me, that's enormous, yeah. enormous. And I think Nick captures it the best right here. Injuries are really holding us back. They're playing their hearts out, but it gets to a point where you have so many backups in that you're not the same team anymore. We need the O-line back to normal, Trey to play full-time, and Edmonds back. Otherwise, we'll struggle in the playoffs. you got to get through the regular season first. And as Steve pointed out, the game this week against New England is huge, obviously because it's a division game. But, Steve, you lose this game, you can't go 0-3 in the division to start. Yeah, They're 0-2 right now. Yeah. you got to run the table in the division if you have a hope of winning the division. Right, you've got to win this game this week. This is a very, very big football game going into Foxborough. And Foxborough, I don't know if you anybody watched it last night. They had a game there last night. 
um, or actually the New England had a game in Minnesota, and New England played really, really well against the Vikings. The Vikings beat them, but New England scored 30 points or thereabouts, and Mac Jones was throwing the football all over the yard. I think it was 33-26 was the final. And it was and, – and, and New England's defense is really good, really good. If we're not 100% offensively going into that game, it's going to be a struggle. And I expect it to be a very close game. I don't think it's going to be like the playoff yeah, game from a year ago or the Monday night game from a year ago. It's going to be more like the, the wind game here where it's going to be, It'll like be tight. right there the whole time. So it's, it's an enormous game, very important game. And, and uh, the Bills, really, this is their, I think, obviously at this point now they're 8-3, this is the must-have game of the season so far. Break time for us here. We'll pass along some final thoughts on the tweet sheet next here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on this Buffalo Victory Friday. One last segment to go. I want to pass along some final thoughts from the tweet sheet. JT says, this team sticks together and never throws in the towel after facing adversity time after time. Ranging from injuries, a snowstorm, no practice, and the back-and-forth trip the last two weeks, this team is well-disciplined and a family. I am supremely proud of this team. Go Bills. And the last one from Ehorse, my takeaways, our QB does not know how to slide. Tyler Bass is a hero. Ed Oliver is rocking. All right, so that's the tweet sheet. Vision to victory, Steve. If you had to pick, what was the, the vision to victory yesterday? What would you pick? Well, I think it was probably breaking even on the turnovers. Now, technically, the Bills were plus one, but the, the last turnover was on that last play, the lateral, 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 with two seconds fumble. left, the fumble, uh, where uh, Quentin Morris got the ball. The Bills ended up with it counts as a turnover, but in the big scheme of things, it was nothing. So they, they broke even on the turnovers. Uh, they had another red zone turnover. And, and if, if they get to a point where that starts to even out, where they don't do that, the Buffalo Bills are going to be you – know, they're unbeatable when they win the turnover battle yeah. uh, virtually and, and with this group. So I think that's still the key thing to think about going forward. Vision to Victory presented by Atwal Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. That'll do it for Steve and I here on a Buffalo Victory Friday. We'll be back for a three-hour program on Monday. We'll see you at noon. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend, everybody.